0: following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.
1: Hello, welcome to Life Matters. I'm your host, Brendan O'Connell. Well, we have a very special guest today, perhaps one of the uh, uh, greatest or high-profile pro-lifers in America, and you might say the world. His name is Frank Pavone. And uh, he's been involved for 30 or more years in the pro-life movement, uh, leading organizations and fighting the battles all across this country. And uh, we're greatly appreciative for that. Well, welcome, uh, Mr. Pavone.
2: Hey, Brendan, good to see you, uh, and thanks for your contribution to this cause as well. We've been together in the trenches for a long time, and uh, it's great to uh, be joining you on your program. Well, thank you. I I wanted to ask
1: you, in the news lately, uh, uh, first of all, there's a a woman out of Texas, and the news broadcast never seemed to mention that her her son or daughter has trisomy 18, Uh, What do you Mm. make of that and and how the media is portraying it?
2: The media is always going to want to show cases that make pro-life laws look brutal and uncompassionate. Uh, So Texas tries to protect babies, and they say, oh, well, you know, this woman has to flee the state, you know, in order to abort her baby. And, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, if we're aborting babies because of some... uh, uh, some disease or genetic defect that that they may have. Uh, uh, what 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 makes that uh, different from the worst kind of discrimination or racism? Uh, in fact, you know, as you know, John Paul II said, abortion itself is the most unjust kind of discrimination. But uh, the, the 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 media is always going to try to make people feel sorry for the very ones that we're trying to protect from the ravages of abortion. So in that sense, it's not surprising. We have to continue to encourage our people to, uh, I think, do two things. Number one, see through these stories and talk to their neighbors about the wider picture, the wider perspective that uh, abortion is going to harm these people worse than any, uh, than any um, inconvenience that a pro-life law will, will, will impose on them. And that secondly, you know, we've got our stories too. So every time the media tries to, to, to make people's pull on the heartstrings, you know, We've got our stories, like you know, from the Silent No More campaign and Abortion Survivors Network and, and, and uh, former abortionists. I mean, there are so many stories that show the ravages that abortion causes uh, that we need to be better at sharing those stories from our side.
1: And that would take the free media that they get, I think, in a lot of this, that on uh, the national channels like ABC, NBC, CBS. Well, uh, I wanted to also ask you about a case that's percolating through the courts, and it has to do with Mifepristone, uh, also known as Mifeprex. Uh, What's going on there? I I believe the Fifth Circuit, uh, Federal Circuit, is uh, adjudicating this particular issue. Do you know what's going on? That's right.
2: Yeah, this case arose uh, and is going to be reviewed by the Supreme Court in regard to chemical abortion, which, as you know, is becoming a more and more common method of abortion. But you know, I, 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 and, and my organization, Priests for Life. I remember from the very my very first year. Uh, it was during the Clinton administration. He started the ball rolling on getting these chemical drugs, these drugs approved for causing uh, uh, early abortions. And from the very beginning, and again, we should not be surprised at this, the government under Democrat administrations was cutting corners on the health and safety of of these moms. For example, you know, these drugs which essentially starve the baby can only be used safe, safely, if you want to put safety in quotation marks, because it isn't safe for the baby and it isn't even safe for the mother. But maximizing um, the, uh, the safety, they say, well, you know, it can only be, be, be used up to a certain point in pregnancy and the abortion industry always wants to push that later and later because it's more business for them. Uh, they want to make it easier and easier. They're always about you know, giving, not just giving people abortion, but giving it to them on a silver platter with at the least possible exertion or obstacles in the way. And therefore, they've been cutting down on the number of visits, for example, that this mom would have to make to the physician. One of the important uh, reasons for a visit is to make sure it's a, it's a pregnancy in the womb and not an ectopic pregnancy, for example. The, long story short... The abortion industry doesn't care about women any more than it cares about babies, and they're always cutting corners of safety regulations. So that was one of the things at issue. Did the FDA uh, th- th- act improperly in cutting corners and trying to make it easier and easier for people to get these abortion drugs? And uh, the courts have been going back and forth on this, and, and, um, and uh, the Supreme Court is going review, to uh, review the whole thing and, you know, an issue also is, you know, can you send these things through the mail, uh, across state lines? There's a lot of issues involved, but uh, that's what this case is all about. And we'll be looking carefully at how the Supreme Court is going to handle it.
1: And didn't the Biden administration uh, change some of the uh, markers, yes. for instance, so many weeks and other that's things? That's right.
2: That they, they... If you, you, you track the trajectory over this over the last 30 years, what you'll see is that the Democrat administrations, including right now, the Biden administration, have been the ones to continually try to cut more corners and make it, make it easier and pretend that there's no risks or hardly any risks to this. But, and yes, that, that is absolutely the case. And, um, and meanwhile, of course, pro-life administrations are, uh, uh, are, are more attentive here to the risks to the women and obviously concerned about the life of the baby.
1: Now, I'd like to talk about some of the referendum. Uh, you know, uh, it was a shock uh, to me that Kansas uh, uh, lost uh, on the pro-life, pro-abortion amendment or referendum that was there. It was shortly after uh, the Dobbs decision on June twenty-fourth, twenty twenty-two. Uh, do you have some thoughts about that in Michigan and Ohio? And I think we're all for yeah. seven. <laughs>
2: Well, there's been seven states where these ballot initiatives have gone the wrong way. Uh, As you know, there's twice as many states that now protect these babies from conception, and even more states beyond that who have increased pro-life protections, even if not reaching to conception, like Florida uh, passing a 15-week bill, and then just the next year, which is this year, passing the, the heartbeat bill. The bottom line being that we are actually making more progress than the other side is. But there is a major, major effort to to take these seven situations, and we can look at them in more detail in terms of what they were and what went wrong, but taking these seven losses and saying, oh, you see, pro-life is a losing issue. America is becoming more and more pro-abortion. No, it's not. Uh, The will of the people is expressed better through the legislative victories than through these ballot initiatives. I call these ballot initiatives, uh, Brendan, you and I have discussed this in many meetings that we've been at, I I call it soundbite voting. You know what does the voter know about the issue that's being proposed here in these amendments that they might be reading for the first time when they go into the voting booth? Or, or what do they understand by it? Or what do they see in an advertisement about it that's filled with lies that the other side puts forward? Uh, they don't necessarily know what they're saying yes to uh, or what they're saying no to, depending how, how, how they the, the, the vote. Um, whereas the legislative process, where we have victory after victory after victory, is a process, when you think about the difference between that and a ballot initiative, in the legislative process, you've got hearings, you've got evidence, you've got witnesses, you've got questions, you've got counter questions, you've got amendments, you've got people lobbying the legislators, you have a more flexible time frame. Hey, let's table this bill for a while. We, let's bring it back later. Whereas with the ballot initiatives, you've got nobody's involved in in, in hearings and and, and uh uh, uh, really, a careful consideration of all the all the implications of these decisions. We're seeing pushback. For example, in in in, in Michigan, okay, that was one of the early early um, victories they, for the pro-aborts. They passed this Proposal Three last year. They just passed the one-year anniversary. I was up there for their March for Life. I was also up there for uh, another, recently for another event where I was giving a, a speech to a, a legislative uh, um, event. They went ahead and passed a law to codify the provisions of the constitutional amendment. So they, they had a bad amendment, and then they went even further. However, they didn't get all that the pro-abortion people wanted. Why not? Because even some Democrat lawmakers in Michigan said, wait a minute, you're going to eliminate all restrictions on abortion? That goes too far. And this particular lawmaker said, uh, well, you know, the idea that you should have a waiting period of 24 hours after a mom is given information about the procedure she wants to undergo and give her a day to consider whether a life-changing, irreversible decision is the right one is not unreasonable. And she also was saying, you know, uh, saying to taxpayers that they shouldn't have to pay for somebody else's abortion. That's not unreasonable either. Point I'm making is soundbite voting, people pass, say yes to these pro-abortion measures because, oh, they saw some persuasive ads. But then as time goes on, things will work in our favor as the actual implications of these things unfold. For example, in Ohio, uh, 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 taking away parental rights uh, when it comes to abortion, how many of those people that voted for that realize that that's what's going to happen? They weren't presented with the question, uh, should we take away parental rights if a minor wants to get an abortion? They they, didn't have, they weren't asked that question. But because the amendment says any individual has uh, reproductive rights that shall not be infringed, well, it, it, it says individual. It doesn't say adult. Who's going to go through that thought process before they vote on this? But what's going to happen in Ohio all of a sudden when parent after parent after parent is told, oh, yeah. You, well, your 13-year-old got an abortion without your knowledge because the law no longer requires it to have your knowledge. There's going to be a revolt. There's going to be a revolt. Mm. This stuff is not... Brendan, I, I am completely confident. This is not going to stand. I mean, this is not going to... There's a reason why most states in America, even now, have parental involvement laws. Parents are not going to stand for this. See, the other side is trying to get away with trickery. And they're only going to be able to get away with this so many more times. This is not going to be some kind of massive tidal wave of pro-abortion constitutional amendments. I'm absolutely convinced. They're only going to be able to get away with this uh, a, a handful of times before people realize something that the American people do not like, and that is being lied to. Uh, and you know as well as I how the other side is hey, the other side is much better at lying than we are. And uh, sometimes they're better at lying than we are at telling the truth. but we've got to step up to the plate, get better at telling the truth, and expose these things for what they are. and And you know the good news is that not all states uh, allow the people to change their constitution as easily as Ohio does. Ohio. This is why, and the other people the other side knows this. So they choose the states where they have, you know the easiest chance. But they're gonna exhaust their options pretty soon. Like, for example, in Virginia, they just introduced one of these things. And in Virginia, it takes not one, but two. And it's not the only state that does this. It takes two legislative sessions to approve the measure before it goes to the voters. And in between those two sessions, there's an election. So it's like, the more we do to expose the extremists, and that's what we have been doing, as you said, with the collaboration of many groups, the more we do to expose the extremism of what the other side is trying to do, the more we're going to be able to, to, to effectively either stop these measures okay, and defeat the votes, or once they are voted in, that's not the end of the battle. Then we, sort of, then we continue exposing it, and we say to the people, look, here's what has been imposed on you, because anything that's passed can be changed. That's the beauty of the American system of government. Nothing is permanent. Anything that's passed can also be changed, and that's why we continue communicating with the grassroots to have them reject this extremism.
1: Do you feel that uh, focus groups would help us, or have we had focus groups like in Ohio or some of these other places that say these words are correct, that, for instance, Mm. parental involvement isn't as strong as an argument as murder or killing a child? Uh, mm. yeah, right. we've
2: had some of this we have had some focus work group uh, done. We need a lot more. I think it is helpful. We at Priest for Life are doing some some polling here in Florida uh, because we have one of these efforts going on in Florida. It's much harder down here to uh, amend our constitution uh, but uh yes the the short answer is yes, we need to do really a lot of polling um, and we need to uh, and we need to also use common sense you know it, 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 people want to know what they're voting for. Just tell them plain and simple. Mm -hmm. The language of of these various initiatives is so convoluted, uh, so hard to to understand uh, uh, much of the time. Uh, The simpler, the better, and uh, polling as far as what is better uh, certainly helps. But a lot of it, again, a lot of it is common sense. I mean, look, you can ask people, you can ask the voter, do you want abortion to be legal throughout pregnancy without any restrictions, yes or no? I mean, that that should be, you know, pl- as plain and simple as that. If it's plain and simple as that, they're going to know what they're voting for. Do you want parents to be able to, to, to do you want parents to have to be informed before their minor aged daughter gets an abortion? Let's put it in plain and simple human language uh, and not, to, the other side is constantly trying to to hide what it is that they're really trying to do. Okay.
1: Now, one of the things that uh, I, I get a little bit downcast about is that, the other side seems to have four or five or six very wealthy uh, donors, yes. uh, like a guy like Bloomberg. I think, and he he was in Michigan. And I'm not sure if he was in Ohio. Some of these people uh, that they're, are contributing millions of dollars uh, to promote abortion. Yeah. Oh yeah. What what do we do oh, about that?
2: They they always have more money. They they always have more money, and we see this in elections too. You know that they 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 they. they, they you look at the republican victories in presidential elections or, or 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 congressional elections you can count on the fact that the democrats outspent uh, outspent us in those races the good news is that money is not exactly the same thing as votes you know on election night it's not dollars that are counted it's votes mm-hmm. so the the solution to this is twofold i mean the obvious solution uh, one of the pieces of the puzzle is that People of means on the pro-life side have got to start stepping up to the plate more than they are doing already. And uh, we do have a lot of people of means out there. A lot of them are stepping up to the plate. You and I know some of them, but we need more. And I'm convinced there are more out there that just need their hearts and minds uh, reassured and and inspired to, to use their money to protect the unborn. That's num- piece of the puzzle number one. Piece number two is that we, aside, you know, uh, uh, Brendan, a lot of the effort in regard to fighting these amendments has been uh, geared towards messaging. Okay, so messaging is important, but in winning elections, and, and these ballot initiatives are, are essentially the mechanics of an election, We've got to be smarter about the mechanics. It's about ballots. It's about early voting. You know, the the Ohio Amendment, for example. Early voting started on October 11th. There was almost a whole month where people could vote on this thing one way or the other. We have to look at this, and, and if there's an amendment that gets on the ballot in a state and voting starts, you know, on October 11th instead of November 7th, We've got to call October 11th election day. We've got to have the same fervor on October 11th to get people out to vote as we have on the actual, you know, November election date. Because if you're, if it's, if voting is, is, is open, then that's election day, and it's a, it's a kind of a psychological shift. But it's also got to be a you know a mechanical shift where we where we we are mobilizing people for early voting. We're mobilizing people wherever it's legal to to have you know mail in ballots. We don't think mail in ballots are the way we should go because it's open. Everybody admits it's open more to to fraud and error than than in person voting. But nevertheless, if in fact it's legal, it's in a certain place. The other side is going to use it. We've got to be better at using it. Uh, than they are, and all of these other mechanics, efforts to ensure voter uh, integrity, election integrity, voter ID. A lot of good measures have been passed in this last couple of years because of the you know, what happened with the 2020 election and all the concerns about that. We've got to be smart about all this. We've got to get out the vote better than the other side does, and that's going to go a long way to counteract their. Uh, financial advantage. They've got the dollars, but we've got the people. We, 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 we've just got to turn those people out to vote. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I have uh, someone I know, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Rex. Um, yes. She, she uh, has uh, contends that uh, frozen embryos that we should, um, that while in vitro fertilization, for instance, in the Catholic Church is, not, uh, cons- is not, not looked upon favorably, she believes that a frozen embryo should have a chance at life and says that the Catholic catechism, there's parts of the Catholic catechism that talk about that. What, what are your thoughts on this? Because, you know, it's the moment of conception to natural death. Well, yeah. What 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 do we do with uh, the frozen embryo situation? It's it's certainly right.
2: A, right. A, a yeah. Question. Thanks for bringing this up. In fact, I was just with Dr. Rex not too long ago uh, uh, talking about this. And you know, uh, they are lives. Obviously, these are frozen human beings. In fact, I know uh, Hannah, um, uh, 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 who is the um, uh, she wrote a brief actually in the Dobbs decision. She's the first. Uh, human being in America to have successfully uh, been born healthy from having been frozen. She was Hannah uh, was frozen for two years, and then she was implanted in her mom's womb and brought to a successful delivery. Now she's in her 20s. These are people. Uh, these are literally frozen people. And we, th- th- this should never have come about in the first place, because when we do something like this—that is, change, interfere with, um, interrupt, or morph, uh, or, 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 or uh, in some way, um, in some way, harm the natural process of, of people coming into existence. We end up, as we are now, at a moral dead end. It's like we're left in the position, just like your question uh, shows of, like, what do we do? We've got frozen people on our hands. There's 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 problems with just keeping them frozen. There's problems with thawing them. Some of them uh, don't survive the process. What do we do? And, and the first thing it has to awaken in our conscience is a repentance for having got ourselves into this mess in the first place. That's the first thing that has to happen. Now, secondly, I've always been inclined to think, and I know that this is something that, you know, the church is... Uh, uh, moral thinking is still wrestling with, and uh, you know we want to be part of that process, and we want to. Uh, uh, obviously, we we as Catholics follow the the teachings of the Church, what, what as those teachings evolve. But the but the but the but the, I've always been of the mind, because these are obviously human lives, and because the choice of separating the fertilization of a new human life from the natural union of man and woman, that sin, that mistake of, of separating that was already made by someone else. We're not consenting to that. We're not, uh, we don't want to be involved in that. But now you have the result, which is a human life. What can you do to save that life? People have obviously successfully um, had these uh, children implanted and brought them to birth. And I've always seen that as a, a form of adoption. Uh, a form of rescue, a form of uh, saying yes to the life, not yes to the sin of separating the the unitive and the procreative uh, uh, dimensions of uh, reproduction, but but uh, these are lives, and 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 what we can do to save them has to continue to be explored.
1: I see. Now, I, th- I believe in Europe, uh, we're we're considered <laughs> uh, the Wild West because they talk about uh, having uh... many embryos frozen so that you know you can have uh, multiple opportunities to have a child whereas i believe in germany and italy they only allow one one frozen embryo per cycle or something of that nature uh... Uh, would you be amenable to a a law that says okay america you can only have one one embryo per cycle uh,
2: well, the, th- the thing is that if, if we're talking about a situation that would, le- you know, any time that there's a law that would lessen an evil that is already in place, in other words, that our legal system allows us this practically uh, unlimited uh, production. I mean, people, human beings are not supposed to be produced, but you end up having, if there's, if there's no limit or if there's a very high limit, and legislation is trying to cut down on that, I think that's moving in the right direction. Uh, we don't want to uh, have this getting done at all. But uh, just the same as abortion, you know, you're allowing all abortions, and then you introduce a law to allow fewer of them. Uh, that's always a movement in the right direction. It's not a choice of evil. It's a choice to limit evil. And a choice to limit evil is always good.
1: hmm Well, uh well, Frank Pavone, we've uh, come to the end of our show. It, uh, it went very it quickly. It goes fast. It certainly does. It goes does. fast.
2: Wow. And, and I hope to
1: see you down in Washington, D.C. Uh, at the march this year. Um, oh,
2: yes. we're going Brandon, we're going to have the prayer service. We're going to honor Bishop Strickland. He's going to be there. Mark Houck is oh, going to be great. there. Sister, Sister Uh So I want to invite everyone to the prayer service on that morning, Constitution okay. Hall at 830.
1: Terrific. I believe that's January 19th. And that's folks, right. Folks, we hope you found today's show to be unique, informative, content rich, truthful and thought provoking. Thanks for watching and listening. My name is Brendan O'Connell, your friend for life.
0: The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.